listening to me and everything I have to say. Uh, let's see. I don't know what I'm titling this one yet, but I already know the topic, which is amazing. I love knowing what I'm doing before I get into it. Um, what's the saying? What do I have? I, I started to saying. Oh, yeah. Don't have a plan. Just be prepared. And I have a plan. I'm not saying it's bad to have a plan. It's just sometimes you got to live without a plan and just be prepared. So, like Boy Scouts, you know, always prepared or whatever. Okay. Anywho, let's see. This week has been a lot less um, hectic. Went to work. Um, I wrote down some goals on my notebook. Where's my notebook? Oh, here it is. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I had a different sort of kind of. Sort of, sort of a few different things. I was just like, okay, I need to do these things here. And now I plan on doing them by the end of the week. So the first one was to be able to finish my paper. It's the one that I chose to write the, what was it? Oh, as close to a perfect partner as possible. And I forget which episode. I think it was mm, people, relationships, and what and how they affect you or whatever. Whichever episode that was. Yeah, go listen to that one. It was pretty good too. Finish Jude. Um, I'm memorizing Jude, which is only a chapter, but it's it's coming along pretty well. It's a good chapter. I've st- <laughs> trying to memorize that whole chapter. Trust me, you study it in and out, and I think it's really done good. So we're trying to eventually, like, memorize the whole Bible. So we got to start somewhere. And I actually was going to memorize this before I even wanted to memorize the Bible. So there you go. Anywho, um, the next would be start the Bible copy. Uh, basically, I'm going to type out every word in the Christian Standard Bible, or sorry, Christian Study Bible, which is supposed to be the most accurate translation of the original like manuscripts and everything of the Bible. The only issue is, and this is what started me on this, was all the he's, hymns, and other words that should be capitalized because they're like referring to Christ are they're not capitalized they're they're all lowercase can you believe someone would do that yeah so i was like i'm gonna go through and edit everything in there while i'm doing it and i'm just gonna that sort of got me i'm like oh i'm just gonna write out the whole bible it'll probably help me memorize it as well yada 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 um oh studying all the different languages that i go through so spanish german swedish ukrainian hindi french i hate french i'm not doing french this week um i wanted to make sure i did that at least once a day for excuse me every day this week um then two more physical ones i wanted to finish out i've sort of lost my consistency i've become complacent since pretty much since thanksgiving on you know just working out as much and now that i have a car i can i can uh, go do a gym and there's one that i'm looking at specifically in town it's not like a big public gym, so it should be nice. We'll go see how that is. But the the two goals for more physical, number five and number six on the list, were to do 1,200 push-ups by the end of the week. We're pretty much done with that one. And then run 11 miles, and I didn't run at all this week until today because yesterday I finally got the charger for my watch, and I wanted to be able to measure them. So I did two miles today. And my heart rate was like in the 190s by the end of it. And I was only running like 730 minute miles, which is bad. That just shows like (laughs) it's been since Thanksgiving. Like it was the day before Thanksgiving, I think was the last day I ran. And I only did like two and a half miles in. So I I took way longer of a break than needed. 
but we're back and nothing has kept me from doing it. Then again, nothing really was keeping me beforehand, but I was like becoming complacent over the fact that, you know, like burglars and threats and flooding my house and work, etc., etc. Anywho, um, there you go. We're, we're progressing and that brings me to my next point. People who complain, um, and really just the, any problem with the world today is laziness, uh, greed and pride. Those are like the three things, like they all go hand in hand with just everything wrong in society. Pride is like, you know, you want attention, you, uh, I don't know, you hold yourself to almost like a higher level than everyone else. You flaunt your abilities over everybody else. You, uh, not, it's not, what's, what's the saying? Oh, uh, don't think less of yourself. Just think of yourself less. That's something we should practice. And that's one of the problems with the world, right? Everybody wants attention. That's why we have quote unquote 72, I think genders and you know, the gay pride month, that's a thing, and all these other horrible things. But then there's also greed. So all the people that are in power right now over you, those people are just getting what they want and they're profiting all uh, over or off of all the people that they have basically put them in power. And they also sort of fall into the pride category because they're also in the very like open, like obviously politicians and stuff are basically always in the spotlight because they they just can't really get away from it but i can guarantee for most people if not all of them they absolutely love it because it makes them look better anywho um oh uh laziness that was the other one laziness kind of goes with the other two it's just desire to not have to do any kind of work so you try and come up with little loopholes to make other people do it you know that's kind of why like welfare is such a horrible thing because everybody just profits off it to not have to do anything people don't like putting in the work so they like to complain they like to whine they like to grumble they like to murmur any other synonym of that but um here's my analogy that i came up um while i was showering that's right i'm a shower analogist and this is my presentation so please um sit back relax and understand that after this you're not going to be sitting back and relaxing anymore because you need to go be productive so imagine you're in a race with the other eight billion people that are on the earth right now okay it's just one long stretch you don't know where it ends Uh, it actually ends differently for different people so it's kind of a relative subjective race but you have a rock on your back or some sort of picture a burden that's on your back but for this instance it's a rock it's sort of strapped onto you like a backpack uh it weighs i don't know maybe 50 pounds right it weighs 50 pounds and so you know you're walking uh you're running whatever you're doing you're trying to get to the end of the race and you have challenges along this race so as you go down this race of life you will have extra weight put onto that rock for really no good reason. Um, and you might have less weight taken off of that rock or burden. Um, also, for not really good reason. Uh, it just kind of happens in life. I mean, well, I could say that it doesn't happen. It's it's put there by um, one of the race officials. Um, 
he he puts it there to sort of make you stronger. He's almost like a coach. He's there to sort of officiate everything, but he's also there to make sure that life is going according to the rules and everything. So therefore, some people need extra weight at times, and other times they need lesser weight. And he sort of kind of just has him and his team of helpers to take off from your burning and put on. Well, there's two guys that you notice in the race. Um, one, his name is Jerry and the other, his name is Larry because those are the first two names I thought of just now. Larry, he carries, you know, just about an average rock, maybe a little below average. Um, but he consistently just whines. He talks about how the, his back hurts, um, his legs ache and he's tired. He's just ready for it to end. He's, it's unfair that he has to carry this rock. Like he doesn't understand why do I have to carry this rock? And everybody around always kinds of feels kind of feels bad for him, which is almost kind of his goal, whether subconscious or not. He, he wants people to feel bad for him. He wants people to give him sympathy. He wants people to come over there and, you know, by sympathizing, they kind of lift off his burden, right? Cause now he has a little of attention and now that he has that attention, it's a little bit easier to walk with that rock. And then there's, I forget what, which one I just named. I think it was Larry. So the, then there's Jerry, who he has a little bit extra of a burden most days. And he doesn't really ever talk about it. He sees it as a good thing in life. He knows that it's going to make him stronger. He knows that there's rock will lessen in weight every once in a while. And that it's all relative. And as long as he keeps pushing forward, he'll eventually get to the end of this race. Well... No one ever really, um, you know, has to feel bad for him. No one ever has to sympathize for him. But he often does like to try and help others with their rock and sort of maybe just give them the example of how they should carry their burden so that they can walk through this race as, fish, as efficiently as possible. And in doing so, he helps a lot of other people. And everybody kind of just likes to be around him. Now, these two have totally different mentalities, obviously. And the analogy that I'm trying to picture here is life. Uh, which I actually have a second analogy that I'll come back to. It's or it's the same analogy, but we'll we'll get to that point when we get to that point. So the analogy is basically why sympathy is bad, and why having pity on yourself is also just a horrible mentality to have. It's a very sinful mentality. Even uh, sympathy is a man-created thing. The definition of sympathy is to hold pity for someone's situation. That may not be word for word, but going off of what I looked it up when I was trying to figure out the difference between sympathy and empathy, I realized that sympathy is absolutely unnecessary. There is no need for it. Uh, empathy, on the other hand, is a God-created thing. It's here for us to be able to hold emotion, be able to relate to others, to be able to share burdens, um, encourage others, and get through life as efficiently as possible uh, while praising God and doing everything you can in order to praise him. So obviously you have Larry. He's uh, a grumbler. He always talks about how horrible his life is. Even if it's not that big of an issue, he goes and he still finds a way to find the negative in it. Or maybe he does actually have some bad days and he just uses it to get himself down in life. And then people around him, they sort of start giving him attention. And that's exactly what he wants. He wants people to think that he's, mm, he's, trying, to, he's trying to take that burden. And he's trying to make it seem a lot bigger. Because he's not willing to put in the work. He's lazy, which is why he wants sympathy. So when he's lazy, he has to, he can't 
lift up as much of a burden, right? He can't carry as much weight because he's not putting in his full effort. So what does he do? He tries to make the burden seem lighter. He's too lazy to take up a burden. So he rather tries to get other people to make it seem as if his burden is heavier and then everybody will help him lift it and they assume that he's stronger than he really is. There's where the pride comes in. So using pride and laziness, he wants everybody to see just how amazing and strong he is because of how hard his situation seems to be. But in reality, there is no hard situation or it's at least relatively nowhere near as hard as he puts it out to be just because he wants to inflate it and seem as if he's a lot stronger than he can. Just because he gives himself the mentality, just because he decides that He's not going to put in the same amount of effort as everybody else. And just because he wants to put himself above everyone else at the same time. So that's where sympathy sort of comes in. That's where people can use it and manipulate others. Maybe, once again, not entirely intentionally. Maybe not be the feeling. But it's still a man-created, sin-infected thing where... You're like, okay, I, everybody wants to, you know, have attention. That's kind of, it's part of the social interaction that we're all endowed with uh, by God. Like that, that's a gift almost to kind of seek attention. It's not necessarily um, a make sure everybody's eyes are on me, but it's when you converse with someone else or you have a relationship, you're getting attention. It's not a prideful, I'm going to go stand up on a stage and pose for everybody to just compliment the snot out of me no but it, having someone's attention and having them be able to relate to you is an amazing thing that's like us as social creatures i'm pretty sure i mentioned it before but a friend told me that there's really no such thing as an introvert and or an extrovert we're all social creatures and unless you're like on the psychopathic or sociopathic scale you have empathy therefore you do require social interaction to progress in life or to at least kind of function in every uh, day life so once you've um wait sorry i'm losing my train of thought here but okay so that brings me to my next analogy um or at least next point um in the same analogy everybody is in this race right they all have their burdens and then there's this last guy his name's terry and he sees life as a big rat race, basically. Like, it, this is a race, but it, it's not, he's not seeing it as what it should be seen as. He's not seeing it as we need to, um, you know, be our best selves and help encourage and upbring others for the glory of God. He sees it as, I need to get to that finish line as soon as possible. So what does he do? He picks up his burden and he just takes off and he exhausts himself until he gets to the very end. And he realizes he just got first place. And then he realizes there's nobody there to celebrate with, with him. And there wasn't really a race to begin with. Um, everything he did was just in vain. And he's now lived a whole life without any kind of real connection. Really any kind of relationship. He feels empty, um, useless. And everything that he did just brought him to one spot that he thought was going to make him feel better. But he realized that he just missed the purpose entirely. Um, these are the people that see, this kind of goes away from the whole necessity for sympathy, empathy, laziness, pride kind of thing. Um, but he, 
he was more just on the greed and pride scale where he was trying to get to the very end, accomplish everything, but he wasn't doing it for the purpose that God gave him. He wasn't trying to become better and then giving the glory to God. He wasn't uh, accrediting his gifts, his God-given gifts to God. He was just using them to full advantage, taking um, the credit he could and realizing that he would or never realize that he wouldn't be full at the end of the race. He wouldn't feel fulfilled because he missed the point of the race. He wasn't supposed to try and finish it as quickly as possible. He wasn't trying to beat everybody else. The goal was to run the race with endurance. Yes, but without, um, isolating yourself maybe, or missing the entire point of relationships and, praising God and having that relationship with God. Like he, he, it's just totally in entirely, um, what's the word it starts with an O I can't think of it. Um, it'll come back to me later, but it, it's, it's pointless, obsolete. It becomes obsolete. So there you go. Yeah. That's analogy. Number one, uh, analogy. Number two, going back to the whole sympathy and laziness kind of thing. Analogy. Number two is the difference between acting tough and being tough. Now, I want you to do me a favor. Um, At the end of this podcast, once it's completely finished, the theme music is faded and you don't have any more podcasts uh, of mine because I haven't put a new one out, but you can definitely recommend this one and all the other ones to your friends. Wink. Um, No, but once this is cut off, once you go back to whatever you're doing beforehand or once you finish the task you're doing while listening to this, do me a favor and toughen up. Um, And I don't mean that in the way of acting tough, which I'm going to explain, where you kind of shove all your emotions to the side, where you make everything seem as if it doesn't bother you, where you don't express emotion, where you're uh, a cold stone faced um, poker player who is working so hard that once again, they just miss the point of life, but you be tough. You deal with your problems, you form relationships that help you grow, you start to understand what the point of living on this earth is for, and you use it to, or use your strengths to, well, strengthen yourself, basically. You, uh, it's kind of like having a room, right? You have your bedroom. Um, currently mine is kind of messy, but there's, there's two options I have. Okay. I have a messy room and I have a closet. That closet has plenty of space so I can act tough, right? I can play on that side. I can just stuff everything in that closet and I can just continue stuffing everything into that closet until that closet is just entirely full. What's going to happen once I have messed up my room for the last time and everything is stuffed up in that closet? What am I going to do once that closet's full? I'm not going to be able to do anything. I will eventually just, everything will spill out of it. You'll have a, a basic Basically, that's kind of the, I don't know, the analogy of, or maybe the representation of a mental breakdown. Maybe not everybody, or not everybody, sorry, has the same kind of mental breakdown, but it's the point where you just understand that acting tough is not going to get you anywhere. That's where you're going to express everything in a negative way because you weren't responsible. You didn't 
be tough. You didn't, you know, take that responsibility of cleaning your room properly. Being tough is where you go in there, you find everything, you organize it, and you spend time understanding how you can make your room better and why it needs to be better. Those are the people that are tough. Those are the people that, yes, they have hard times. Uh, no, they don't let them affect them for long terms. And that's not because they push them down or bottle them up. That's because they express them maybe either to other people or maybe in a notebook, uh, something where they can just write it down as to why, excuse me, something holding them back or frustrating them or has disappointed them or why life has let them down. Those are the people that then take those and they start to ponder why or how do they find a solution and how do they execute that solution so life is better, life is relatively easier and then they build off or build up off of that so that they continuously make their life purposely more challenging, not harder necessarily, but more challenging so that they get stronger and then everything that used to be this difficult, uh, almost uncomprehensible task is now a, a, a grain of sand on the beach. It's simple. It's easy as a pie, basically, you know, it, it's where you build yourself up and then continue to encourage others taking the spotlight, spotlight off yourself, but use your knowledge and wisdom and what you've built from experience and giving it to other people. So then it kind of does maybe a domino effect or almost like a pyramid scheme. You tell two people, they tell two people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's usually my goal. I try and be on more the be tough side of things. I definitely know that I can also be on the act side uh, or act tough side of things where something frustrates me and I don't think about going to God first. I don't think about the people that I trust and talking to them. I don't think about writing it down. I just sit there frustrated. Um, I usually have like a, just a straight look on my face. Everybody or I'm not as pleasant to be around. Um, I'm not as enjoyable. I'm not as energetic. I'm just not really a pleasant person at that moment. But once I start learning how to maybe vent issues or challenges or frustrations in my life in some form of fashion, whether uh, you have people in your life or not, um, you can definitely, A, God's always going to be there. B, you can go to Walmart, buy yourself a number two pencil or pen and a notebook and just write everything down. And then once you sit there on your bed, you know, for 30 minutes, uh, right before you get up in the morning or like right before you go to bed and I and you just think what am I doing wrong like what is what is the worst thing that I'm doing right now what is keeping me the keeping me back the most like what's the strongest wall I've built that's keeping me from progressing in life because believe it or not no one can actually keep you from progressing in life there is no event that keeps you from progressing in life because God gives us those events those occurrences those scenarios those instances for a reason like you can't just not learn things and then blame it on other people like they didn't impede you there was something to be learned from there that's one thing that I make the most attempt to express whenever I find a challenge or something that irritates me or frustrates me it's okay God what do I have to learn from this? What is there? What are you teaching me in this? Am I just sitting here being idle and going to complain about it? Or am I going to take what you've given me and use it to figure out an issue? You know, I have a Bible. I have prayer. Those are the two easiest things in the world to just use. And eventually you'll come up with a solution. Like no issue is going to last forever if you just work on it. Uh, that's why you have tools like something has to happen eventually like 
it's a God of miracles. If, if you're not learning, then it's really a you problem because you're being ignorant and stubborn and arrogant and prideful to the fact that you could be learning from something and you're just choosing to point fingers and blame everybody else. So there you go. That's, that's my take on, you know, being tough. I feel like I had another thought and I'm trying to go back and remember what that thought was, but seriously, like ponder. Oh yeah. Like ponder, think about it. What's like one wall that I've built, what's the strongest wall that I've built, go ahead and just knock that one down, all right? And if you can't handle that wall, you know what? Start with something smaller. Write down everything that you do wrong, everything that's immoral, that's not virtuous, that's impractical, that's not biblical. Write everything down that you can think of that you've really even ever done and think, how do I come back and I fix any kind of maybe relationship that was broken from that? How do I fix any kind of negative effects that I'm having to deal with now because I had those uh, instances where I decided to be prideful and I thought that I was better than God and I ended up, or typically it's not even an actual thought, but I put the idol of pleasure over God and I decided that I was going to be in control of my own world rather than allowing him to control it and me just contributing and going along with it and praising him for all the blessings I have. Uh, where do I start? Uh, or where is my like biggest and or smallest in the middle? Whatever issue, whichever issue comes to first or first, write that one down and then select it and then study that one issue like it's, I don't know, rocket missile uh launch codes and you have to uh defend I, okay i can't come up with every analogy in the world i can't i'm not that good with figures of speech i'm clever but not that clever um but study it like it's your life depends on it because to be honest in a way it does okay you you can't just go around living with blemish you have to find the bleach and you have to be able to get those blemishes out right you have to find a way to strive to be perfect guess what you'll never be perfect okay it sucks i know I want to be perfect. You want to be perfect. I'm pretty sure everyone would just love to be innately perfect, not have anything wrong with them, and be better than everybody else. I'm sure that's just one of the most common thoughts ever. But once you accept that you can't be that, but that you can strive that for that, and you can strive for the example that Christ set, and you can go for what God has uh, laid out in front of you, and you can chase that, then you'll find satisfaction in the fact that, okay, I'm here for a reason, A, B, I have a purpose to fulfill and I'm going to start fulfilling that. And then C, fulfilling that one, that's where satisfaction comes in. All you have to do is do what makes you happy and that praises God, okay? If it's praising God, if it's going to his plan and it makes you happy, well, honestly, if it's praising God and going with his plan, then it should make you happy. But if it's going for those two, why stop? Why stop? I don't see a reason why not to. Um, which brings me to another point as to now that I have gone this far down the road of trying to find issues and just fixing them rather than wallowing in self-pity and trying to get other people feel pitiful for me and just complaining and whining about everything or making it seem like I'm tough when I'm really not because I don't actually go and fix the things. I just put on a poker face and deal with my day. I, I've started to realize there's no such thing as a valid complaint. Like there's nothing you can complain about that I will validate because dang it, I can't think of the address to the verse. Um, what's the verse in the Bible? It goes, um, do all things without complaining and murmuring. That's, that's a command. That's a command. I can't think of the actual.
I totally just went on like another five minute rant, um, talking about <laughs> whatever I was talking about and didn't realize that that clack clatter or, you know, calamitous noise, clamorous noise that I just made was my phone pausing the audio. But, um, what I was going to say is I can't think of the actual verse address and then continue to not be able to, um, find it. But what I was going to say, oh, is that there, yeah, no, there's no such thing as, um, a, a valid complaint. There's nothing you can think of. There's not a moment in time where you've had a validation for, from circumstance where it says like, okay, now you can complain. Now you can whine. Now you can curse God for just how horrible your situation is. Take Job, for example, uh, God let Satan take absolutely everything away from him and he continued to praise him. Why? Because nothing he took away from him validated him to curse God or whine or complain. It's a command that we have saying, you know, don't whine and complain because it's not going to get you anywhere. It's really a helpful thing. Once you toughen up, you realize, oh, I can give glory to God for this and I can learn from what he says and I can use it to overcome it. And then I'm wiser because I've had experience that you grow as a person and you become better and you can use it to help others because guess what? Complaining doesn't get you anywhere, but actually going out and doing anything or everything for your goal instead of making excuses because you either have excuses or you have results you can't have both hate to break it to you um you you you'll achieve the goal that's like the point of life there's no reason to complain god is giving you everything you need not to complain if he if he gives you anything to complain about let me know because first of all you're a sinner okay uh, therefore you deserve anything bad that happens to you. So do I. It, it, everyone does, okay? That's just, that's kind of the cause of sin. Everything from burning down into hell to, uh, once again, just coming up and, you know, stubbing your toe. Those are all just little things or big things that you deserve just because you're a sinner, okay? Second of all, uh, God loves us so much that he decided that he was going to give us the perfect plan that would set our lives up to be able to come to him, say, hey, I am a sinner. You forgave me. I accept that. And then eventually you come to the point where you die physically and you can go to heaven. You spend all of eternity with him. But for right now, uh, while you're on earth, you still have instructions. You still have to follow what he's given you um in resources and as a plan in order to achieve the goals that he has set for you in order to better his kingdom in order to better your life in order to make you happier in order to make you more fulfilled more satisfying um you you like it all sort of kind of falls into place i totally lost thought halfway through that but once you've done all those things that's what that's the byproduct that's the result that's the the end time that's the that's the end of it and what more can i say besides like who doesn't want that like if you don't want it well then that's your issue okay go ahead whine complain i'm just going to ignore you or i'm just going to stay away from you i'm not going to associate with you you're just not going to exist to me uh, because that's not the kind of mentality a i want to have influenced uh with me and b it's not the kind of reputation that i want to have uh, just by associating with you. I want to have the reputation of the hardest worker that at least I can be, if not harder than everyone else. I, I That's the one thing I control is my actions. I can't control uh, every emotion I have. I can't control how everything plays out. I can just control my reaction to it. Um, I can learn how to 
combat uh, bad emotions or maybe more depressed, sad, angry emotion. Once again, with prayer and the Bible, two biggest tools that you have. And I can pray that the events go the way that God wants so that I better myself and that I learn from them and that I'm willing to learn how to change and to adapt to the situation. Um, and then at the end of it, become better. And then I take it to keep losing my train of thought. I was so motivational there for a second. But until I can do those things and earn that reputation, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be a slob. And that's all I'm going to count myself for uh, to a degree. Let me explain once again. But uh, I am never going to be enough um, in terms of that I will never be perfect. And therefore, I'm always going to be striving for perfection. So therefore, I need to work better. Therefore, I need to um, fight the you know the good fight I guess you could say and become what Christ wants me to be um which then brings me to another point I don't know if I brought this one up before but the difference between insignificance and insufficiency I will never be insignificant because God calls me his he says I'm a child of his and I'm as good as he um wants me to be that, that even though I've screwed up in every form of fashion, I am as good as he wants me to be because I have accepted his love. And in the sense of a spiritual relationship, I'm as good as I'll ever get because he has forgotten every sin, every blemish of me, every imperfection, excuse me, that sin has caused. He has entirely just wiped it away. He sees nothing but a child of his clothed in white. But in terms of insignificance, there is still the fact that he knows, or sorry, insufficiency. He still knows that I'm a human. I'm still here on earth uh, dealing with that sin. So therefore, I still need to strive for perfection. I still need to strive to be as close to the example that Christ set for me as I can. And by doing so, I A, praise God, uh, before, while, and after I'm fighting those battles or fighting to better myself towards that goal. Um, and I swear I can't keep a train of thought for more than five seconds. I'm sleep deprived. I apologize. But I need to just learn that once I have overcome the fact that, okay, I'm painfully human. I can't be perfect. I have tomorrow. Tomorrow always exists, or at least the idea if it does. You're not promised tomorrow, but realize that at the end of the day, you can't go back and change everything that you had in front of, or behind you. Those things have already happened. You can't look back and say, oh, I, I need to go change those or dwell on those. You, you use them and you repent to them. That means you turn around from what they were. That means you don't put the should have, I should have, or I could have, or I would have, if, and, but, you know, uh, ideology on what has happened. You just continue to allow yourself to get better. You learn from it. Okay. Once you've learned, you can adapt. Once you adapt, you overcome. Improvise, adapt, overcome, you know, like the Bear Grylls meme. Yeah, that. And then tomorrow exists. So tomorrow you're going to realize what the byproduct and what the result of the actions you did yesterday were. So you're going to not do those and you're going to learn to be better the next day. As far as I'm aware, that's everything I have to say. Um, I think I have to figure out, um, editing for this. I don't want to go back and listen through all of it though. This is just kind of the after and footnotes. Uh, I know that there was a lot of ups and downs in my ability to speak, but for the, you know, at the same time, it was what 30 minutes that I was able to talk and 
when season two comes out, which will probably be in the next like three or four episodes, I'll have guest speakers where I can converse with people rather than just sit here and lose my train of thought five, six times in a minute. But yeah, hope you learned something from this. Um, if you didn't, then listen to it again, because I can guarantee, uh, I mean, I'm not, it <laughs> makes me feel prideful, which is one of the things that, um, oh, you know what? No, hold on. I have one more point. So whenever I do something that I know is better um, than other people in terms of maybe a physical thing, like, oh, okay, I did this better than everyone else, or I accomplished something that not the or not average people, or average people cannot accomplish um i tend to sort of sit there and think like oh i don't want to like let it be recognized because if it is recognized i'll start to feel prideful but then i realized the point of those actions were okay god gave me the ability to do so he gave me the ability for what to praise him exactly because why everything we're supposed to do is supposed to praise him that's why so in doing so uh i can use the the challenge of whatever it is that i accomplished um during and before as okay god's gonna get me through this god did get me through this and every compliment i get afterwards every congratulations every pat on the back i use that immediately to point to god it wasn't me it was god believe it or not it never is you it's always god that doesn't um so recognize that so don't ever like try and come up with some sort of response when someone gives you a compliment and you feel awkward because you think it's going to seem prideful if you accept it no accept the compliment because you did um help put the physical action into place but then make sure immediately you thank god thank god for the ability that you had in order to earn that compliment and uh secondly you uh then turn to God and you give him credit for everything when that person gives you the um, congratulations or the pat on the back, etc., etc. So, anywho, that I think is all I have to say. Um, I'm going to Buford again this weekend, so that ought to be fun. Uh, yeah, no, that's all the footnotes, cliff notes. I'm just going to put some music on the front and at the end of this and then it'll be published and hopefully it doesn't sound horrible where there was uh let's say mishaps and hopefully i spoke fluently enough that everybody was able to comprehend it and did get something from it anywho uh go be productive enjoy your day do what makes you happy and glorifies god and you guys will hear from me in like a week goodbye